0: What do you want?
1: To dedicate a podcast to you.
0: <laughs> Gonna talk about giallo movies just for you. The only thing I'd like, I'd really like, is to meet you face to face. It'll happen sooner or later, but you don't have to recognize us thanks however you disappoint me duck you throw a challenge my way i almost forgot the most important part we go by creep
1: creeperson and chris and this is chow 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 got it the harbor a phone booth sitting right near pier 11 i'll get out the apb move you bastard
0: Ciao, ciao, everybody! Ciao, ciao! Ah, Yay! And welcome. It's been a while. Happy New Year. Happy
1: New Year, yeah. In fact, it's February 1st, and we were going to try to do um, one podcast a month. Shit, this
0: is February fucking 1st, dude. You better do
1: another one this same month, just to catch up. Yeah,
0: the shortest month of the year. Let's do that.
1: Right. (laughs) That makes sense. Now the last time we recorded a podcast, we used this Skype technology and I sounded like I was talking through some sort of a paper envelope and then you sounded all nice and studio-y. So I don't know if that was just a one-time
0: thing or if that's just the way it's going to go when you record. Well, let's see. Um, If people don't mind us having a, podcast meeting right now we could, we could both record and then it will when we do post or you do posts or I do post. whoever does the post just cut out the empty spaces on each person's recording or the other person's stuff
1: oh, that's true and I think that um what I've heard from real actual professional podcasters is that they if they use Skype, they all record their own soundtracks, yeah. And then they, and then they just, and they they, they kind of sync themselves up and say, okay, everybody hit record at the same time. Um, we can't do that now. <laughs> I don't think because we already started. But but how do you, you
0: how do you do record? Um, just go into your QuickTime Player. You're on an Apple, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Just do QuickTime, and then um, file audio recording. And hit record. You okay. are two minutes and six seconds behind me.
1: Okay, and I'm still waiting for the stupid QuickTime app to load. Oh wait, here we go. File, new audio recording, and crash. No, <laughs> I'm waiting for that to crash. Okay, I'm gonna hit record. Tell, give me like a. I'll
0: tell you right now what it give is. Like
1: a, give me like a three, two, one, and then tell me what that number is.
0: Okay, three, two, one. 2.32.
1: 2.32. Two. Look at that. I can't remember that. Alright guys, isn't this interesting? I'm this, glad you're all listening to this. This is a podcast. This maybe is, we'll, uh, this how maybe this we'll edit this part out. We'll go from the chow chow. Did you, did you actually listen to the post uh, for the last one by any chance? No. See, you have to go back and listen to it because it's really funny because we were talking about um I forget what it was, but we were talking about, um, is this, are we starting now?
0: Oh wait, no, I did listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then I said, I want to, I want to put this all in, in the beginning. And so that's what we did. So, hey, what's up everybody?
0: Hey everybody.
1: How have you been, Mr. Creep?
0: Um, well, to be honest, I slipped and fell and fractured a vertebrae in my back and then (laughs) through x-rays and tests and stuff, I found out that I have degenerative arthritis. Ugh. So that's not fun. Is that and, a reversible
1: condition or <clears throat> not necessarily?
0: No. Yeah, okay. Um, but then, like, uh, because it's so icy here, like normally in January, we're supposed to get about 15 inches of snow. And we had one a uh, storm in December and this season so far has had 78 inches of snow.
1: Oh my gosh. See, I keep forgetting that you're not in LA anymore. Yeah.
0: And Cause so LA doesn't
1: get snow, do they?
0: No, but it actually one day in Burbank, we got um, snow for like an hour. Oh, okay. It was very wow. bizarre. But anyway, so then I fell and bruised my ribs, and then oh, yesterday on the way to the doctor, just walking down the driveway, I slipped and sprained oh. my knee really bad. Oh, so God. basically, every time I leave the house, I hurt myself. So yeah. um, I'm trying not to fucking do anything, yeah, but only house. Um, yeah, so there's just like a bunch of... It's like, you know, you hit that age and you're like, I got to start doing things different. I got to start doing this and doing that because my body's is falling apart. I don't fucking know. But all I'm saying is um, I used to fall down almost for a living and it was fine. But, is it a wrestling thing? But now gravity is just... I'm gravity's bitch.
1: And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm running into that same problem with regards to the alcohol. I cannot drink the way I used to. And in fact, the thing that's really weird for me at my age, so I'm going to be 44 in April, and what happens with me now is I'll go out and I'll have a few drinks, or maybe I'll be at home and have a few drinks, or whatever it is, and... The, the last time this happened, I went to to see the Dead & Company show. It, so it's Grateful Dead, whoever's still alive with the Grateful Dead, plus John Mayer. And they go around, and they, they, they've been playing. And they're really good. It's like a really cool um, version of what the Grateful Dead used to be like. It's, it's the, probably the best incarnation post-Jerry, if you're a deadhead. Anyway, I went to that show, and I probably had, over the course of six hours, maybe – 5 or 6 or 7 beers and I leave the concert and I'm in Philadelphia and my wife and I drive into the area in Philadelphia where you get the cheesesteaks cuz that's what Philly is famous for. So we get the cheesesteaks and we like chow down and I drive all the way home which is a good 40 40 minute drive. And then I get home and I I walk in my house and I feel like I'm drunk. All of a sudden, I'm drunk and I had stopped drinking for like 2 hours. And then it just got worse and worse. Like it's it creeps up on me for some reason. It's really strange. Um, so I don't know what the
0: you hell were that at is. a dead show. You were high.
1: No, I wasn't high.
0: You got contact something.
1: No, it was an outdoor um, <laughs> arena, so there was no contact high. Dude, it, it, for for people that get high, and I'm not one of those people, but for I mean, I know tons of people who do. It's such a different environment now because everybody has the vape and you can bring a vape pen or whatever the fuck they're called into a venue and just say, hey, it's my vape for smoking, you know, whatever, tobacco, some kind of tobacco, right? Because back in the day before they had the electronic cigarettes, if you tried to smuggle a pipe or something other than an actual cigarette into a concert, you would get it confiscated or you get in trouble. But now, everybody brings in whatever the fuck they want to the concert. And now it's like, I'm smoking some kind of weird electronic version of Kush mixed with DMT, and who the hell knows what anybody's smoking anymore. It's crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. So, like, I don't even get involved. There was a bunch of people at the Dead Show that night, and there's all kinds of vape stuff pa- being passed around, and... I'm like, no, nah, that's okay. I'm fine. Just, I just, I got a pretzel. I got a hot pretzel, and I got a big old soft pretzel with mustard and a beer, and I'm good. I'm dancing, you know. I'm listening to Bob Weir sing about, you know, Casey Jones, and well, that wasn't true because that was a Jerry tune. But anyway, I digress.
0: And then you went to Disney World.
1: Yeah, I went to Disney World, man. I, and it was fantastic. I bet. It, I hadn't been there in 20 years at least, and it was my kid's first time there, and we went to Legoland the first day, and then we went and did all the Disney stuff, and we did all the princess stuff for my daughter, of course. Uh, We had to. Fucking – let me tell you something. For those of you in the audience and all five of you in the audience (laughs) – Uh, who may have a daughter and one day you might be bringing that daughter to Disney World, I'm going to give you a piece of advice that is worth at least $250 but maybe more by the time you go. My daughter loves princesses. And when you go to Disney and you have a five-year-old girl who loves princesses, she's going to want to do princess stuff. And the big princess thing to do is go get a makeover at the Magic Kingdom, underneath the castle. And this is in Florida. I don't know if they have it in the California version.
0: They do the makeovers, yeah. They do that? Yeah.
1: So you go there, and they do your hair, and they do your makeup, and they do your nails, and they give you this dress to wear. But the dress costs $250. I swear to Christ, it does. So we brought my daughter's Elsa dress from the movie Frozen, and she wore it to the park. And now the makeover cost us sixty-five bucks instead of three hundred. So there's my piece of advice, everybody. When Boom. you go, when you go there, if you have a daughter, buy a fucking dress at Walmart before you go for like twenty bucks instead of two hundred and fifty bucks. Um, but then, of course, we went and did uh, lunch at Cinderella's castle, and they come out, and all the princesses come out and sit by your table and say hello, and you know, I was. Looking at Ariel's cleavage the whole time. No, I wasn't. I wasn't doing that. It was. That's terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't strike me of, like, as a lot of cleave, but that's okay. Yeah.
1: No, um, uh, the one that has the best body is uh, the one from Aladdin, right, Jasmine? Because she she has like that belly thing. Like she's got that top, but she's got the the bare midriff or something.
0: Yeah, I think that's when they were into really doing drastic proportions. Yeah,
1: yep. Yeah. And then all the all the PC people said, "Wait, you can't do that."
0: Yeah, because
1: this girl's a, a a very bad self image, which I agree with. But I still like cartoon porn, so yeah. I'm
0: divided. Well, I'm divided because I don't like what they do to Barbie. Oh, they keep yeah. making her like look different. Like I didn't get a body image thing from He Man. Right. You know, so, like, what the fuck? Like, I have it now, but
1: I didn't get it when I was a kid.
0: <sighs> man. <laughs> I don't know where this is going, but it's not. I do
1: either, man. We're not talking about anything related to Jalo at all. Do we have
0: any Jalo related stuff to say?
1: We have a couple of things. I would like to make an announcement that uh, apparently you can buy tissues in Italy that are infused with balsamic vinegar. We found that out from our Italian correspondent Al Owens, who posted a packet of Fazzoletti, which I guess means tissues. I don't know. Um, with a bear on the front, I don't are, know if you saw that.
0: Are they to blow your nose, yeah. or an essence of
1: balsamic?
0: I fucking love balsamic vinegar, dude. <laughs> it's great. Right? Oh. Yeah. So the other thing that we can talk
1: about is that it looks like the um, the companies that have finally acquired and are putting out a muck on high def, um, you know, Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, have announced when you know the pricing and everything. So I saw something from the Baron, and now I don't know how to look him up. Brian? No, the Baron. Oh. Just what? the Baron. Aaron Martino is his name. Yeah. The Jalo Room, that's the name of it. So yeah. um Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he didn't post it. I, I swear I saw a post about the new Blu-ray that's coming out for Amok from 88 films. And I think there's another company that's putting out a version of it too. Um, the only thing I was trying to, um, find out is they said that it was for regions a, B and C, which I have no idea. According to Baron, um,
0: we're a, right.
1: I don't know. That's what I, I mean, I'm going to, I would love to buy it because if any Jalo needs to be seen in blu-ray, it's that one. Um, but uh yeah, so apparently that's coming out soon. I don't other than that I don't have anything. I think we had one of our one of our friends on um, the page posted that there was an Argento festival uh, let's see when did that happen. Jimmy Gonzalez in Las Vegas, Nevada yeah. um, sold out Italian horror all-nighter Dario Argento so I wonder what they actually
0: he's great heaps dude.
1: Like, if it was an all-nighter, there's no way they could do all of his films. So, they had to cut a few of them out. But, uh... Yeah, but otherwise, it's been pretty quiet. I mean, I haven't heard anything about, um...
0: Did, Char- did Charles Manson up? really die yesterday? Did that really no? happen? Charles Manson?
1: Uh, I didn't hear that at all.
0: That's not necessarily, uh... A- Jallow thing, but it's almost kind of time period appropriate.
1: Yeah, it, sa- it says in the news, Charles Manson found dead. I don't know if you, anybody has been talking about it. Hmm. Huh. I don't think it's true, though. I think it's a hoax. Now 8 news. Charles Manson found dead. Who's now
0: 8? Uh. Is that like some thing out where you are? Well, anyway, yeah. so that might have happened. It I mean, might not have. I just looked it up. It did? I, I just looked up. The only thing
1: I found was one thing from something called Now 8 News, and I don't know how legit it was. Okay.
0: <laughs> so. Well, might have happened, might have not. Yeah. Might have happened, might have not.
1: So. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway. Here S- we
0: are. So, here we are, and we're going to be talking about a film called Libido. Our good friend Ernesto Gestaldi. Ernesto Gestaldi. Yeah, um, and there, there we go again, doing horrible, horrible stereotypical impressions that make us sound like Mario.
1: for yourself, because mine's great.
0: Oh, you know what, though, <laughs> I have learned. Um, I learned this today that I've watched enough um, Jolly with subtitles or whatever um to actually be able to look at an a, a page in Italian mm-hmm. and be able to kind of figure out what it said because like
1: a, like a web page I mean or yeah
0: like all the information I found on this movie it was on Italian sites mm. and I was just going through it and picking out words. I'm like, I know what that word means. I know what that word means. I know what this word means. And then pretty soon, I'm like, Oh my god! I just read a sentence. How the fuck did I do that? Wow. Look and, at you. Um, so yeah, can't speak it, but you can kind of get away with it. I'm starting to learn words like a caveman.
1: There you go. One but, word at a time. Um,
0: but yeah, so this movie was 1965. Just it was released just a few months after. Um, Mario Bava's um, Blood and Black Lace. And um, I don't know how much you would like to plot drop or talk about the actual process of the story. I think it's called plot in most circles. Yes.
1: I am going to be completely unconventional and do something that I have never done on this podcast before. And right up front, come out and say that I fucking love this movie.
0: Whoa. He came right out in front and said that.
1: I'm not going to wait till the end and we go over everything and say whether I like it or not. Okay. I fucking liked it. I liked it a lot. And I didn't know that I was going like to. It started lot. off kind of slow. And I started to get into it. And I mean, it's only four goddamn characters in, yeah. in a house for 120 or for an hour and 25 minutes. And I, as it, as it continued to unroll and unveil and, and I just liked it more and more and more. And it's very possible that I would never have liked it. Had I not seen blood and black lace, had I not seen, um, Lindsay's orgasmo, had I not seen a muck, um, because I really didn't have anything to compare it with or against, um, but it was fun. It was a fun film. And there's like, tw- like six twists, like one after the next, after yeah. the next. And, and the ending is totally different. And it's the only, it, to- when, when I say totally different, I mean totally different than you would expect in a Jalo because you're talking about 1965. And so we have Bava's original blueprint for the detective thriller with the girl who knew too much. And then we had... His second attempt at you know, defining the genre, even though he didn't know at the time he was defining a genre, right? He, his second attempt redefined the genre or kind of made it a little bit more specific by adding the whole killer, masked killer is out there with the black gloves and everything. And the color. Yeah, and then we really – and color. And we really didn't have anything genre-defining, although if you talk to Lindsay, he'll tell you different uh, – we never really had any genre defining films after that until Argento made uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Like everything before that was kind of like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, borrowing from here, borrowing from there. Um, and Ernesto Gastaldi, for those of you out there who are veterans of this genre, is more well known for his screenwriting efforts uh, than his directorial efforts. And I think this is really the only film anywhere close to the thriller giallo genre that he directed, but I could be wrong about that. He doesn't have very many films, uh, under his belt as a director at all. Um, but I mean, if you look at all of the classic jolly, the Sergio Martino ones and, um, some of the other ones that are really, um, you know, important to the genre. He had something to do with the screenplay. And of course we, we've talked about how these things get borrowed from the, um, from the Krimi, um, films, the, um, can't remember the guy's name who was like the big Edgar Wallace Edgar Wallace. Right. Yeah. So he wrote a lot of that stuff, but, um, yeah. So at any rate, I, I did I haven't talked at all about the plot other than that there's four people and they spend most of their time in a the house. There's actually um,
0: five. There's a guy at the hotel. It oh, yeah. has four words or something like that. What about
1: the guy who whistles and walks past uh Christian while he's standing by the car kicking the tires?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. six.
1: We have six actors.
0: And now. then the girl who is at the doctor's office that we only hear her voice.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So if you want to um, elaborate on what you know what this movie is basically about, go for it.
0: Well, one thing I will say is that um, I watched the version that's on YouTube, and right. the um, a lot of the subtitles were going so fast mm-hmm. that it was like hard to catch everything that was happening, and so like. With our four characters, we have um, Christian, who's this traumatized boy who saw his dad um, murder some chick in some psychosexual manner in a room of mirrors and shit when he was a kid. He lost his shit. Um, The dad, I guess, jumps off a cliff and dies. And now he's almost of age to um, take the property over and the vast fortune and all this right. stuff.
1: Inherit everything.
0: So he's going up there with his wife, um, whose name is, I thought it was um, Elena, but in right. everything else it says Helene. Yep. So, I just noticed
1: that too on IMDb. Yeah. I thought it was Elena.
0: Um, And they're going up there and the other car has... Um, this guy, I can't remember what his name is and I can't remember what her name is, but it's basically, I thought it was just like the guy who was watching over the house for like the first hour of the movie. But apparently this guy was the father's lawyer and the, um, the guy who took care of Christian after the events of the murder and the suicide. Right. So this guy was basically like his dad And it took Paul, Paul Paul Benoit. That's right. Right. It took me fucking almost half the movie to realize that's what his job was. I thought he was like a butler. Really? Yeah. I don't know what the.
1: Is it because of the medication you're on or is it just because you weren't reading the subtitles or. No, I
0: think because I think it's like he showed up at the house. He wanted to repair a roof. He brought in groceries And Paul was, or Christian was just yelling stupid things at him. Well, anyway, the way this movie plays out um, is kind of neat because, especially if you like older Bava stuff, because it really just, or like Hammer Horror stuff even, it really just felt like a Haunted House movie at first. Yeah, totally. Um, Like, honestly, the first... I'd say the first half of this movie, it seems like it's a haunted house movie and you're just waiting for the kid's dad to show up and go, ha ha, I'm not dead because they make it clear that his body was not found in the water. Right. right. So, um, Christian, Christian right. keeps seeing like things that look like his dad, off in the distance. He goes in the uh, his dad's, like, study and sees the rocking chair moving and a pipe smoking. Yep. And um, so he's just fucking certain that his dad or something like that is going on, not knowing what it is. But you have to come back to the fact that Christian is mentally disturbed over what has happened to him. Right. So... Paul's there. We have there. to talk
1: about we have to talk about the room, yeah, where this all happened. In 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 the so so it's it's very much like you could see that Argento was was very much paying attention to this film because the film opens up with something that happened in the past, mm-hmm. some sort of traumatic experience with a boy, and there's a um, there's like a, a kind of a lullaby kind of music theme that's playing, and there's a. And there's a doll or some kind of music box involved, and it's very deep red. Um, of course, this is I don't know ten years before Deep Red, so um, clearly this was uh, more of an influence on Argento than the other way around. Um, but then once we once we see that this this kid witnesses his father in this crazy like perverted rage of like i guess you know he had tied up some girl and killed her while she was tied up and so it was like this sexual thing but it was also a violence thing and he's traumatized for forever and then you know that's the beginning of the film and then all of a sudden we just see these two different um vignettes not vignettes but we just cut back and forth between these two couples that are driving in the dark somewhere yeah and uh I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that they actually really did fade. They faded out of the kid's face in the beginning and then faded into Christian as an adult to yeah. kind of tell you this is the same guy. Yeah. But it reminded me of House on Haunted Hill where they're all, like the beginning of the movie, they're all in cars and they're all talking about that they're driving up to this place. Or Clue. It was just, or Clue. <laughs> or the movie that I did with... Um, the the movie that I did without you, um with Jason
0: the where, Killer Reserve Nine seven, Seats seven or something.
1: Guests for the murderer.
0: <laughs> what the fuck I thought it called? was the Killer Reserve Nine Seats or something that, like that. It, something okay. with a number for sure. <laughs> yeah. The killer Reserve Nine Seats. Um so yeah,
1: that, that it's it but okay, so then, you know, we get to the present day and um so Okay, so if you're you're kind of fuzzy on the beginning, so the way I understood it was it was Christian and his wife and then the accountant and his wife and the four of them are going up to this house. And the reason why they're going is because they have to take inventory of everything.
0: Yeah, because in three months he becomes of age to inherit everything or something like that. Which so it's honestly so it doesn't make any like, sense, but it's okay.
1: Does that mean that they were trying to like the inventory part was just to kind of get a, get a, an assessment of this of the net worth of the estate, maybe or I something guess. like that? Like, yeah, and it, you know it's clearly preposterous. Like, there's no reason why those four people have to go do that. There's no reason why they have to make a vacation out of it because they clearly were making a vacation out of it. Yeah. like there's a scene. Where <laughs> I guess they're done doing their inventory for the day, and they get all dressed up in formal wear and sit and play chess, like in the in in the in the in the formal dining room. And I'm like, what the fuck are they doing this for? Like, what's the point? You know. Um, but clearly, everybody in the film, other than Christian, had ulterior motives, and we'll get to that clearly in a minute. Um,
0: because so, once. All of this stuff starts going on. Christian starts to think that Paul is trying to make him go crazy, so he could get committed, and um, Paul would end up inheriting the fortune or whatever. Right. Exactly.
1: Um, but meanwhile, um, meanwhile, meanwhile, his wife Helene is is saying, "Well, that's." ridiculous because he would have to, you know, he'd have to kill me too because I'm your wife and I'll inherit the money before he'll get it. Um, and there, you know, there's your, there's your little hint right there. Um, Cause you know, what's weird about this film, I think more than anything else is that um, you and I watched it not only in 2017. So However many years later than that is – I mean I'm not going to do the math in my head because I suck at it. But um, 65 to, to to 2005 would be 40 years. 2015 would be 50 years. So 52 years later, we watched this film. Wow. Right. OK. 52 years later and um, we know everything about all the films pretty much that have come in the last 52 years. And we know a shit ton about the Jolly that came – After this film, and so we're watching it knowing that you know this one's going to double cross this one, there's clearly going to be a twist here, and another twist there, and another twist there. But I think that the audience of 1965 may not necessarily have been ready for some of the shit that happened in that movie. Yeah, like
0: M. Night Shyamalan would have had a heart attack. (laughs) <laughs> like, when all the twists start happening, it just keeps going and going and going. And that's... See, the thing about this movie that is so great... I know we just veered off the plot. But as slow as this movie does get, like, the last, like, 20 minutes of this movie are so, like, non-stop action twist, action twist, action twist. Like, yep. it's... But it's all believable shit, and then yeah. like all of a sudden, like the I think there's one more twist coming, and then the movie's over, and I'm like, oh shit! Like I thought for sure there was one more, and I'm like, nope. But yeah. um, but yeah. So, so yeah. But like the ridiculous nature of them playing chess and formal wear. And then they have coffee or tea one morning all together. (laughs) And the girl, uh, Bridget or Brigitte, takes off her robe and she's wearing like kitty cat, a kitty cat (laughs) bikini. I don't even know how to describe it. It was awful. They're like
1: pasties, but larger. But other than that, that's all they are. Like, and then they don't, she there's had no a, straps to them. She had a, They don't go around the back.
0: She had a cat head where her um, private regions are down right. south. Yep, so there, another was, one on the cast, there too. There was nothing um, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. great.
1: I mean, like clearly they couldn't do nudity. I guess they decided that at this particular time in in history,
0: yeah, that. Putting real nudity in would be just basically
1: pornography. So they did the best that they could.
0: and They did without really good, showing
1: any. Yeah, totally. I mean, okay.
0: both of these both chicks of the, are super hot.
1: Yeah, both of them are hot. And then the girl who plays the conservative Helene,
0: she had like this amazing rack on her. Like her cans were just amazing when she <laughs> like, was in the nighty, right? Like the night nightgown. Yeah, and,
1: and I'm looking. I'm going. Did they have breast implants in '65? Because <laughs> I mean, those look too perfect for me, but. Like,
0: I will say this. All of the scenes with her in her nightgown, like, laying in bed, like, they lit her chest so well. Like, like, you have to see it to be able to understand how well her chest is lit. Like, they had, like, almost no light, and the light they did have, they used it really, really, really good.
1: They did. They used it really well, and I I was and I was surprised because I mean, even the YouTube copy that's up there, um, it looks pretty good. Like I have a copy that I was able to. It's really funny. I have to. I have to tell you this. I have to veer off and just for a second and tell you this crazy story about how I ended up watching the film because. I was going to watch it last night and fell asleep after, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes because I was just exhausted. And, you know, the first 15 minutes of that movie, they go it goes a little slow. And then I said, OK, that's fine. There's a YouTube version and I went to work and I decided that I was just going to stay late at work and watch it and then watch the rest of it. You know, if I didn't finish it at work, I was going to watch it on the train. But I'm very cognizant of the fact that I am – trying to conserve my data usage with my cell phone and if i watched the rest of the film on my phone on the train on the way home it would have been on youtube and i was kind of worried about that so i at the very last minute while i'm while i'm at work i connect to my computer here at home and i run the film which i had gotten as an mkv file i think something. I run the film through handbrake as quickly as I possibly can and then I upload it to Dropbox and then I download it from Dropbox to my phone to watch offline so that I could finally see it. And the thing about the, my point is that even this the version that I ended up encoding for my iPhone um, that I did a really quick shitty, you know quick pass, one pass only handbrake encoding of this film, when I put it on my phone and watched it, it looks fantastic. Like, I mean, you know, it's black and white and the film probably looks, wouldn't look as good if it was in color. Um, I wouldn't want to see this film in color for some reason. I don't know why. It just seems like it, it should be black and white. I don't know. But, um, whatever, whatever film negative they were able to, to get when they made the copy that I saw, it was just fantastic. Yeah, And I really liked, um, I mean, it, it reminded me of so many different films. Like it reminded me of Hitchcock and it reminded me of Baba. And of course we have the same guy who did the soundtrack for Bud and Black Lace who did the soundtrack for this. Um, So the, so the music is awesome and it's got that, it doesn't have that same kind of, you know, conga. Yeah. It's
0: not, it's not as fun, but the one thing too um, about the music is how little it's used. There are so many moments in this movie where there's like no sound and it's just to like build the tension and then it'll slowly creep in and whatever. But um, that was that was bizarre. So back to plot style stuff. Sure, Um,
1: why
0: not? What ends up happening is that we see that someone might be following him around and. um then someone goes into Helene's room. And this is another thing that was weird. For some reason, they had separate bedrooms. I don't know why they had separate bedrooms.
1: Yeah, and there was another thing that I noticed about the film where... I don't know if it was just a continuity issue or whether it was done on purpose, but I had a hard time figuring out what time of day it was on most of the film. Like, I, I couldn't tell whether the place they lived in or where they were staying actually had electricity and they were using it, but also using candles or whether they didn't have any electricity, but there were scenes where Christian falls asleep and then he wakes up and it's daytime. And then as soon as, and then the the next scene they go to bed and I, you know, I, I I couldn't figure out like, you know, what time of day it was and, and what was going on with, with all of that. But um, the bedroom thing was weird, but, there's a scene where Helene comes out and says, yeah, I, um, I got us two bedrooms that face each other. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I, that, there had to be a reason for that. You but know? the I
0: mean, thing Alt- that was funny about it is she said that. And then later we find out that she's his wife. Right. That, that was another thing. Like the things that they dropped, like not even clues, but just like important plot points. Right. <laughs> they're, they're not all set at once, like at the beginning of the movie to give you like a, a frame of mind that they're like littered throughout and just yeah. kind of sprinkled over a dialogue. And you're like, Oh, Oh, and like, there's a lot of that going on. Um, but the, I think the part where you start going, what the fuck's going on here is when, we're from the point of view of the supposed killer, and a door opens into Helene's room, and she looks up and she says, "Oh, it's you." Right. And then the door shuts. Yep. And then we don't know what the fuck happened for like another half hour. Like,
1: yeah, but we all know, as season Jalo fans, that clearly we have to pay attention to that scene because we don't know if it was the girl. We don't know if it was the other guy. We don't know if it was Christian um, or a a fifth person.
0: I kept thinking it was the dad coming back.
1: It's, It's funny because like your brain and my brain are different. Like I never even thought for a second that that was a possibility that maybe
0: the reason why it like hit sunk in for me is because when they were outside having coffee or tea or whatever, the blonde chick, Bridget, says to Helene, She's like, I really like your hair down like that. It makes you look a lot younger. <laughs> and so then it made me think, I'm like, oh shit, is she supposed to be like older than him? Like old enough to maybe date his dad? Or be one of his dad's mistresses. And so I, I wrote this whole other subplot in my head and wow. like went with it.
1: <laughs> but, Pretty um. Cool. But well, yeah. I mean, listen, you're a screenwriter, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That stuff's going to happen. Yeah. So. I, I, for, I didn't for a second until you mentioned it think that the dad was still alive. I really didn't. Oh, I, man. I don't know.
0: It, as soon right. as someone says someone's dead, but the body wasn't found. Maybe it's maybe it's the slasher <laughs> fan in me. That's I'm, true, I'm immediately, oh, he's coming back. Watch out.
1: Yeah. It's like Michael Myers. I shot him six times. You know. Yeah. No, yeah, it's true. I should I should pay more attention to
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> or not, because it didn't end up working out. Wow. Well, but yeah. um so the shit gets real when um Helene and Paul decide they're going to go to town to get some supplies or whatever. And as they're leaving, um, Bridget or Brigitte um, <laughs> lets him know that um, Helene and Paul have known each other for many many years, like in just like in a passing tone. Right, in just and, a passing phrase. Yeah. yeah, and he thought that they had only met at the wedding. But right. now it turns out that they've known each other for a long time. So he automatically gets suspicious and instead of going and banging Bridget, who already said, I would like to make love to you just so you know, <laughs> um, he gets in his car and he goes um, towards town, but then he sees a hotel off in the distance and I don't know why the fuck there would even be a hotel there because it seriously looks like the middle of nowhere, but he just on a flute goes, I'm going to go check the hotel and he goes and he sees their car and he pulls his gun out that he had brought with him And he's like, pretend to be shooting at people and stuff in the car. Totally inconspicuous. Like, And, and then he sees Paul and, um, Helene come out of the hotel, like probably like an hour later. I'm guessing right. here and he like fucking like lost his shit. But instead of confronting them with his gun, he drives back to the house and, um, finds, uh, Brigitte on the bed in the mirrored room. And he decides that he's going to maybe strangle her or maybe, maybe. not. Right. And well, no,
1: wait, well, no, wait, um, I'm trying to remember now, because I know there's a scene at the end where he strangles her, and you're led to believe maybe that she's dead, but then that's not true. But when he first comes back from seeing his wife and Paul together, that's not the same time when he strangles her in the room with the mirrors.
0: Yeah, he comes back with the gun, and he's like acting like he's going to strangle her kind of thing. Oh and yeah, okay. Paul goes like, "What are you doing?" and then Paul grabbed him cuz Paul oh, and Paul. Helene right. came right. in at the same time. That whole
1: confrontation scene, right?
0: Yeah, and then so they get into a fight and then here's where like the bomb drops. And um Helene says, "You came into the room and did this to me." and shows these like big cuts on her face. Right. that she's been hiding with her hair. And she's like, basically we brought you here hoping it would help you. And it ended up hurting you. And every time you think you see your dad, it's really you walking around and we're just here trying to help you. So the doctor's coming tomorrow, you know? Right. So he has a little breakdown or whatever.
1: And, but the other thing I wanted to just jump in and interject, yeah, if yeah. you can still hear me. Cause my computer's going nuts right now. I don't know why. Um, is that it's interesting how they drop very – not necessarily subtle hints about what's going on, but they give you little tiny pieces of information about things that are going on. Like there's a scene where um, Brigitte and Paul go out to the cliffs, and it's very – early on in the film, like maybe within the first hour before the first hour is over, or maybe even within the first 45 minutes, I think. Um, and he tells Brigitte, it was me who introduced Helene to Christian, to Christian. Yeah. And then, so he drops that hint. Like there's something weird going on and then he leaves. And then later on, um, Brigitte is out like sunbathing. And I don't understand how she could lay on those jagged cliffs, with no, basically no clothes on and be comfortable. Like it looked like
0: she was pain is beauty. Dude. Sort of, pain is beauty. She was like, pain is beauty. it looked like
1: she was on some sort of acupuncture <laughs> thing. Like it's like, didn't look, it didn't look comfortable at all. But then he comes out, like Christian comes out and he mentions a couple of things like, um, something about, yeah. Um, he's trying to get my money or, um, I forget what else. So like that, there's already kind of a sinister kind of overtone to the whole film. Yeah. Like even within the first 20 minutes, but then it just evolves and continues to evolve into this fever pitch that you get to at the end, where, like you said, uh, Paul comes in and he uh, wrestles with Christian, and they talk about the fact that Christian is kind of leading this double. Life where he well, there goes were crazy at night there, and attacks his wife and then the next morning that she doesn't know he doesn't remember yeah. anything
0: about it. But there was also two little things that Paul said like two different times where he's talking to Brigitte and he's like Um it's gonna happen tomorrow around two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or it'll mm-hmm. be tomorrow night around whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> so you know like something is going to happen. You know something like sinister is afoot and it is going to happen and but like like you're saying like the way they just drop little tiny but super fucking important pieces of the plot <laughs> right exactly. it's so different than what most films or even fucking stories in general would actually do you yeah. know and i think it's
1: partly because you only have these four characters and they have to spend some time setting up the atmosphere and trying to make you believe that maybe this is a haunted sort of ghost story because again, the audience in 65, I don't know that they knew what, what they were going to see. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's, a, it's, there's a potential there that, you know, there's this kind of Gothic kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, uh, oh, shit, I can't think. I have had too much beer.
0: Um, <laughs> That was a big of, glass.
1: Like I, I want to say extraterrestrial. That's obviously the wrong.
0: Like thing paranormal.
1: Yeah. Paranormal maybe or, or whatever. Um, there's some sort of thing going on that's, that's not, that's not realistic. Whatever, whatever you call that. Like in, in, in most, if not all jolly, um, even the things that are considered ah, supernatural—there you go, there's the word I'm looking for. I oh, mean, yeah. the things that are considered supernatural eventually get explained as not being supernatural. So, but yeah. for this film, it's like that—the tropes hadn't really been established yeah. yet. So maybe you know they were going for that, um, and they're they're dropping these important hints, but one tiny piece at a time, until you get to the point where everything's been established and everybody's watching the film saying. Something's going on here, but I'm not exactly sure who's doing what. And
0: you're, and you're expecting like a Scooby-Doo moment. Like, Oh, it's you. And I would have gotten away with it too. Like (laughs) one of these (laughs) kinds of things. But, um, what ends up happening is much more sinister. So Christian goes to sleep, um, after almost killing himself, um, and Paul wrestles the gun out of his hand, and then I was thinking if he, they would have just let him shoot himself, that would have been the end of it, right? And all of them would have been fine.
1: There's there's a there's about four or five situations in this film where you could say you could end the film right here, yeah, and it would still be an awesome film. But they but they keep going, and it's not like they it's not like they make it worse. Like, like it's not that they detract from it having a good ending. It just keeps getting better. better.
0: Yeah. So Christian wakes up and he sees a foot on the end of his bed, like attached to a body, obviously, but he just sees the foot and he crawls down to the edge of the bed and looks and sees Helena dead on the floor or Helene. And he freaks out and he goes and he tells um, Brigitte, that he killed her and she's like, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Just go in here and like relax or whatever. And she's going to take care of the body. So while that happened, Paul comes back from, uh, a wild goose chase to pick up a doctor <laughs> who was never even called, even <laughs> though Paul saw Helene make the phone call, um, a doctor to come and take care of, um, uh, christian and so he's like oh something's afoot and so he runs back to the house and he's like brigitte 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 and he can't find her anywhere he goes to the cliffs he's looking for her, and then all of a sudden kapoom black gloves push him off the cliff and he goes right. okay
1: and guess what what it just it, at that moment it earned some more points on the jalo score.
0: <laughs> not only the gloves but, but something else right Yep. Yeah, the death from falling. So,
1: real quick, um, what I wanted to say was that my computer... Can you still hear me? Because my computer is acting all kinds of crazy I could
0: hear you, but I can't. You're just, like, frozen on a picture from, like, 20 minutes ago.
1: You're frozen, too. So, uh, we'll just keep going. Hopefully, everything's fine. I'll just Um,
0: turn my video off. Maybe that will...
1: As long as you're hearing me, then if my machine crashes, you still have the audio... Oh yeah, recording yeah, yeah. Of we're, me. Fine, Talking. we're fine. So yeah, yeah, we're fine. But I, I, I think that it's interesting. I was just thinking about this. There's a scene where, so for the, for for most of the movie, I assumed that this was taking place in Italy. And then when um, Paul goes and talks to the doctor, uh, or finds out about the doctor, he says something like, um, "The." The doctor was supposed to come to Brest, B R E S T, yeah, which which is in France. Um, so not only is does it not take place in Italy, and for the first time in the film, you really are sure of where this is taking place. Not that it really mattered to most of the people watching, but also, do you think it was just a coincidence that the place was called Brest? <laughs> Meanwhile like the film is called libido and there's two girls with really good looking breasts in the film. And, and everyone's just totally obsessed with the idea of, of tits in this film. I mean,
0: it, yeah, I guess it so. it's too much of a coincidence.
1: That's so dramatic. then he, so he's like you said, so he comes back, black gloves, push him off the cliff. He falls and we find out that the person who pushed him off the cliff is is Brigitte, is Brigitte. <laughs> is Brigitte.
0: <laughs> yeah. The dumbest chick out of the four killed her husband, pushed him off the cliff. Right.
1: And ended up, you know, ended up being the smartest one. And that, that should have clued us in. But again, it's like, you know, there's, there's, you you suspend disbelief about all the things well, that you've Well, the
0: learned. whole time I thought she was just bait to make him go crazy. Cause she looked like the girl that the father had killed.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: So that's, exactly. I was just waiting for that. But while that's going on, Christian goes back to his room. And when he walks in, he sees a zombie standing in front of him (laughs) that looks terrifying. (laughs) And he like completely freaks out and faints and falls down. Then when um, Brigitte comes back in, Helene walks down the hallway looking all fucked up, but then she wipes the fake blood off and pulls off the fake scars and she's like, "Yeah, I took care of Paul." And she's like, "Okay, cool." Because Christian's taken care of. He's so fucking wacky. He's gonna tell them that he killed me, and I'm gonna be right there and be like, "Like, say what? I'm alive. I'm fine. I don't know what you're talking about." And all that stuff. And then, um, th- this is where the movie again gets a little silly. She's the the blonde girl, Brigitte. She's like, "And then we split the money, right?" And she's like, well, no, you get a little cut. And she's like, yeah. a cut? She's like, you said 50-50. And she's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> this is a multi-million dollar thing. I'm not going to give you half of it, you know? Right. And so the girl's like, oh, okay, well, then I'm going to fucking shoot you in the stomach, bitch. And so she <laughs> pulls the gun out and shoots her. Okay? And you're can like, you, oh, fuck. Can you well, still no. hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you.
1: Okay. Because uh, I, I think it... it very soon I'm going to need to just reboot this entire machine because everything has gone crazy. But I did want to say, um, or I did want to ask the question, were we supposed to assume that the two girls were lovers?
0: I don't think so. Do they do anything?
1: she's At one point, Helena said, something, something, my dear. And she put her hand out and kind of rubbed the side of her cheek. Brigitte's cheek and it looked like a tender Moment yeah so I did not know if They were you know Sexually involved or just Business partners
0: Well because... I'm sure all the horny Italians were hoping that they would be Involved
1: right because So I'll just make the assumption so that they get The extra point for okay. the Jallo score
0: yeah. Oh, Okay yeah if, <laughs>
1: that's, if, that's the whole reason if we're fixing
0: a, a game here Then yeah for sure <laughs> Um So then Brigitte's like, well, shit, I get everything now because I was Paul's wife, so everything will go to me. And then all of a sudden Christian pops back up and he's, like, fucking batshit crazy now. And he's, like, strangling her and he's like, ha, 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 I'm nuts. And he ties her to the (laughs) bed and rips her clothes off of her. And then instead of, like, killing her like he saw someone kill a girl like that, he decides he's going to take his little music box, which I thought was Mr. Peanut, but it ends up being Jiminy Cricket. Um, I swear to God, I'm like, wow, they had a Mr. Peanut music box? I thought for sure it was Mr. Peanut.
1: I thought he was saying Jiminy Cricket like, Jiminy Cricket, like, like like an expression, like an exclamation. But it was really Jiminy Cricket. If you notice that the music box, the little Mr. Peanut guy, or Jiminy Cricket, or whatever he is, um, it it goes in two speeds. So sometimes the... And I don't remember how the... I don't know the... I don't remember the soundtrack. And in post-production, right here... Put in the soundtrack of the lullaby theme, so that people at home can understand what I'm talking about. But uh, um, uh, sometimes, like in the very beginning, you hear the song that Mr. Peanut is playing, and it's fast, uh, or it's a certain speed. And then later on, when he hears it, kind of you know, he hears it being played, but he doesn't know where it's coming from. It's slower. And maybe that's supposed to be in his mind. I don't know. Or
0: is it <laughs> like a thing like it's
1: slowing down
0: the crank? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Anyway, um, I wanted to mention, um, I wanted to, before we finish talking about the film, uh, or actually let's, let's finish up talking about the film. I have a comment that came in from Sanders, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned what craft beer I was drinking this evening. So I will remember to do that, but let's finish. Okay. Sort of.
0: So then of after Christian ties her to the bed, he takes his music box <laughs> and he jumps off the fucking cliff, leaving her tied to the bed to probably die.
1: Yeah. And like, it's, it was, did you find it odd that she was all, immediately saying, I don't want to die. Don't leave me here. Like, didn't she think that before she actually starved to death, because that's probably what was going to be, right?
0: I yeah. Mean,
1: well, no, not starved to death. She would die of of dehydration, right? Because yeah. that would come first. Um, so she had have like three days. Is it three days without water before you're dead?
0: No, you could probably go a week.
1: Really? Okay. Maybe. But that's assuming you're drinking your own pee, and she couldn't do that either. So... Um, but I mean, that wouldn't necessarily be my first reaction. Like, Hey, you've tied me up to my hands and my feet and I'm going to die. It's more like, well, how do I get out of these restraints? There's gotta be a way, but maybe not. I don't know. It well, just I think weird, for but- her,
0: she knows Paul's dead and she knows that, um, Helene's dead. Oh. If Christian doesn't come back, she's fucked.
1: Right. I guess so.
0: But I kept thinking Helene was going to come back and say, Yeah, I thought there
1: was going to be another twist like you
0: said earlier.
1: But but it was funny because he jumps off the cliff and screams. And I guess he screamed loud enough for her to hear him inside the room. Because then she screams. And then I could have sworn that they were going to freeze frame on her screaming and have the credits, but then they go back. And Mister Peanut one more time with his yeah. hat off and on, off and on, off and on, and then it stops. So it was just classic, man. I loved it. it there was, was so there was great. a
0: lot of conjecture at the end there, but yeah. it's okay. Like I, I loved it. Yeah,
1: it reminded me of um, a little bit of like French New Wave, even though from a from a story standpoint. It, it was cohesive. It was a lot more cohesive than French new wave. It just kind of looked that way. It, I thought, um, that the cinematography in this and the, and you know, the, um, the locations and the way that they frame the shots and stuff, I thought it was fantastic. Like they did a a great job with the visuals on this completely. Um,
0: like if you, if you liked like the screaming skull or dementia 13, or um, like even House on Haunted Hill, I guess. That cast is a little bit bigger, but um, if you like those movies, and even to some extent Carnival of Souls, there was like a little bit of Carnival of Souls vibe in there.
1: Yeah, I've I've never seen that one, but...
0: Oh, you got to see that one, dude. Well... That's artsy. But but I think, too, I mean, you know, tell me, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I
1: think that in a genre that's almost always um, colored films, yeah, that you get a black and white one, it it's rare, and so you're immediately going to equate the visual style with other black and white films. I don't know if that's true or not. It just seems that way to me. Like, yeah. All the films that you just mentioned were all black and white, right? I don't know if Carnival yeah. of Souls is. Yeah. So you got you know the girl who knew too much. You've got Dementia Thirteen. You've got um, House on Honda Hill. You got this film. Um, there's a film called The Embalmer, which shows up in some of the Jalo um, kind of filmographies, which is also um, a black and white film, which is um, in between. I think is earlier. I think it's like uh, six earlier sixties. So we'll, we'll eventually probably cover that. But. I'm
0: trying to think if. The screaming skulls the movie I'm thinking about but the screaming skull is kind of the same thing where there's like a house and there's like four people and Someone is just coming back to the house from some other Random thing. I don't know, but it has like that same kind of feel this is done much better than that right. but um, The other thing I wanted to say that I thought was kind of interesting when I was looking information for this movie and I was on the um, Italian Wikipedia Um, and I don't know if this is like a translation like a literal translation but instead of having plot like they have on Wikipedia for movies it says trauma okay so it's like I don't know if it's the translation of the word or if they know like oh someone has to go through a trauma to make this kind of situation happen so and I was just like wow that's really cool because that's one of the things right like one of your criteria marks Uh the childhood or past trauma of events or something
1: but, yeah and, um, and you know trauma in, in in Italian means the same as trauma in English. So it's not like oh, okay it mean, it's not like it means plot. It's the same it's the same word in in both languages. That's so, so
0: fucking weird.
1: yep yeah.
0: huh So what kind of beer are you drinking?
1: Well, first of all, um, <laughs> you know I've been lazy. I haven't been updating my website, so I want to let you know that libido, earned a 59 Jalo nice. score, which I think is a little bit less than Blood and Black Lace. Let me check. Uh, Blood and Black Lace got a 64. Okay, so that sounds about right.
0: What does so, Girl Who Knew Too Much got, get?
1: Um, Girl Too, Who Knew Too Much got a 71.
0: Ooh,
1: That's so many of those tropes, yeah. you know? I mean Um,
0: for one, they weren't drinking J and B, they were drinking Cuddy Sark. Which is really (laughs) bottom of the barrel. I'll tell you
1: totally bottom of the barrel. And (laughs) this guy's supposed to be the super millionaire, right? Yeah. But um you know, I got a little bit creative with libido, so Italian director, hidden identity, black gloves at the last minute. Um, the motivation for the, the the crimes is monetary gain. Um Avoid capture, right? So eventually, I just decided that the last person um, to be involved in all of this was Christian, and since he jumped off the, the the cliff, he got the points for the accidental death or suicide, compared to all the other people that got killed purposefully. <laughs> you
0: know what? I just realized the doctor was supposed to show up at the house, right? So maybe Brigitte won't die. She'll be okay. Yeah, but then she'll be traumatized, but she'll be a traumatized millionaire, so that's okay.
1: Well, and you know, I was every time I'm every every so often I'm watching this film and I'm realizing, okay, this is basically a plot. Um, we don't know exactly who's in on it, but there's at least one person who's trying to, trying to drive Christian crazy, and it reminded me of Orgasmo, Lindsay's Orgasmo yeah. with Carol Baker in that house. And those two people that came and tried to drive her crazy, it was like it was like such a parallel. Um, and then, you know, at the end of Lindsay's Orgasmo, you realize that there's another person in on it besides those two people. And I won't give it away um, because that's a different episode. But um, so we have, despite the fact that we only have four people in the film, there's a body count of at least three, which if you include the person in the very beginning of the film, makes makes that work. There's more than one killer or there's an accomplice. And there's at least three suspects out of the four people. Um, <laughs> so and then for the for the single points, you know, we got the car chasing. Death from Falling, A Doll or Dummy. I gave him the points for Lesbian because we would like for that to be the case. Um, It got points for Peeping Tom, Spiral Stairs at one point. There were some Spiral Stairs. Yeah, there was. So it it did pretty well for a film that came out. um, Here's here's an interesting thing, and maybe this is more of a comment on the way the Jalo score is set up as opposed to the films themselves, but... um, Libido got a fifty-nine. Blood and Black Lace got a sixty-four. And both of these films are kind of genre defining. Francesca got a sixty-five. So hmm. Huh. Hmm. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe it's maybe it's just I, I'm trying to find connections where there aren't any.
0: Yeah. Also
1: and The Washing Machine got a 59, but never mind.
0: I, I, it's so funny. We talk about these movies we did a long-ass time ago, and I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, I totally missed that. I want to go back and watch that movie again. But I just realized that why the fuck did she put the gloves on to push the guy know. off the thing? Because those, those were like hardcore like leather gloves. Like They
1: were awesome gloves.
0: They were like elbow height.
1: And she looked really good with those black thigh highs on too. Like oh. she had a busted, she kind of had a busted face, but her busted. body was killer. And then <laughs> and what's she her name? Dance. What's her name was, uh, had the hot face, but we never got to see her body that much. I liked for her that.
0: hair too. I thought her hair was yeah. fucking like, as far as like fashion stuff goes when it's not in color, it's hard to tell, but the wardrobes both girls had, were great yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> except the white pants after Labor Day.
1: I love situation. the white pants though.
0: Dude, they were so tight up in the front, uh, but like it was there's,
1: like, there's, I have I reserve a very special place in my heart for girls who wear tight white jeans because and, there's nothing like it
0: and let it ride up. Right up the, the crack.
1: Th- I mean, maybe the only thing better is white yoga pants, but I mean, you gotta really be uh, an attention getter to wear that. I mean, yeah. come on! You know, all the yoga pants. Most of the yoga pants are black, so
0: yeah. I can't. We're talking
1: I, about yoga pants on I, a jalo. I'm,
0: I'm a fan of stretch pants myself. Sure. So yeah. Um. But yeah. So then we get a close up of Mr. Peanut, and that's the movie. Yeah. Boom.
1: And I will definitely watch it again. It was fun. I think it'll be fun again to watch it, you know, knowing what you know, you know, before going in uh,
0: a little bit of information on it. Yeah. So this movie was apparently shot in 18 days or three weeks, um, on a budget of 26, the equivalent of like 26 million bucks or uh, not million. I'm sorry. thousand. Million. Yeah. Okay. I got excited there. Um, <laughs> but this film was actually um, a commercial success. And when they sold the rights of the film to America, um, the distribution company paid them $25,000 for it. So just in... American distribution, they pretty much already made their money back. So wow. Everything else was kind of just profit. Yeah, but this is also the film debut Of the dude that played Christian I can never say his name, but he's the guy the cop and Hannibal in the movie That gets thrown out the window spoiler
1: The, the cop and Hannibal that gets thrown out the window.
0: Yeah, you know in Hannibal with Anthony Hopkins?
1: I think I saw that movie.
0: Okay. Well, he, the guy's it's been like in a million ago. things. Like you would you would recognize him when you saw him. Okay. Um, but this was the first movie he was in, so that's kind of cool.
1: And he was pretty young at the time. Yeah. I don't so was it Giancarlo Gianni? Yeah, that's his name. Giancarlo Gianni. Gianni. Okay. And he was in, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was in Hannibal. He was in a bunch of stuff. Like yeah. he's, I guess he's like the token Italian guy.
0: Yep. Because most movies have a token Italian guy.
1: No, they don't. But I mean, if you need <laughs> one, he's your guy, I guess. Yeah. Why not?
0: But, um, I didn't look into, but the guy, the other guy that's in it is in like pretty much every Polizio movie that's ever been made from yes. like 1972 to 1980, but, um, he's the
1: guy who looks a little bit like Peter Lorre yeah. and he was in, um, he's the guy that was the club owner in the uh, case of the bloody Iris. That's yep. the one I remember him from the most. Yeah. But uh
0: he's been in a ton of shit and you'll go. Yep. Oh that guy and yep. both the girls look familiar too and I didn't check into them at all, but I know that we probably especially the girl with the dark hair um, It's driving me it's been driving me crazy ever since I watched it and I'm trying to not like just look it up. I gotta figure it out but uh hmm. What you gonna do? I
1: don't know. I don't know where where like you're right. Like I recognize them from something, but you know who knows. But uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was great. And the fact that it was, you know, a film directed by the guy who wrote, you know dozen or more screenplays that ended up becoming jolly. Yeah. Um, and it did it in 1965. There's an article in, not an article, I guess you would call it an article. So there's a blood and black lace book that was written and published a long time ago by this guy named Adrian Luther Smith. And it's kind of like the first kind of anthology that chronicles the jolly kind of like Troy's book. And, um, because so Troy's two books kind of replace these, because they, it's kind of the same format. Like here's the film, uh, a paragraph of plot, but no spoilers, and then um, kind of information about the film, some some opinion, information about the director and the actor, and so on and so forth. Um, there's an article in, um, the Blood and Black Black Lace book. It's like three pages, and it's written by Ernesto Gastaldi, and it's it talks about the genre and what the genre is about and everything. So I have to go back and read that again, knowing, because it says in the very first paragraph, something about the jalo genre, something, something, something. um, I had, I had, I had created uh, one of the most influential Jolly uh, in my film, libido back in 1965 or something like that. Like he, he's pulling the Lindsay thing where he's, Taking credit for everything, but he's probably—I mean, I don't know if he—if it's—if he deserves more credit than than Lindsay, who knows? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's all great, so it's—it's it's like I'm glad that we have all these different folks that are you know responsible for for all these films because it's so much fun.
0: Yeah, and it's just a handful of them anyway. So who gives a shit?
1: Yeah, give them all credit. Who gives
0: So what kind of beer are you drinking?
1: Uh, Well, it's gone now, but it is probably one of the most tastiest beverages I've ever had in my entire life. It's made by Stone Brewing Company, and it's called the Chocovesa. It is a stout beer. Uh, It is brewed with cocoa, coffee, peppers, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg whoa and it is unbelievably delicious it's supposed to be their take on mexican hot chocolate because mexican hot chocolate has like these spices in it and the peppers and stuff but it's a stout beer so you drink it cold and it's so good oh my god and it's like sometimes stout beers like fill you up really quickly and they're real heavy but this one is absolutely delicious so Sanders, that's what I'm drinking. I'm sure you can probably get your hands on it where you live because Stone is a West Coast brewery. But uh, the Chocoveza beer was introduced, I think maybe two or three years ago, as a limited edition, 22-ounce um, bottle of beer. And it, got, it was so popular that they brought it back last year in six packs. And I tried to get my hands on it. And then it I couldn't, and then this year I eventually got my hands on it, and it's it's a Christmas holiday thing that they release once a year. So, and I think I have maybe three left. So I'm excited. <laughs> I'm not going to drink any more tonight, but it's definitely a winter beer. You know, I've got to I've got to get rid of them, uh, or uh, within the next couple of months, or just save them for next year. We'll see what happens. So wow. there's my answer. Yeah,
0: and I'm drinking Komodo Dragon Blend. From Starbucks
1: hmm. it's yeah
0: it's bold and hearty and mm-hmm. slightly earthy
1: is that what it says on the label
0: kind of herbal <laughs> <clears throat> um, I don't actually remember what it says on the label but um to me it's the most consistent coffee that they have Oh, okay. Like, because yeah, like, I would get the Verona or the Italian or the French yep. or, or the Pike, and sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? But this one is just pretty much always the same. So, right. I you just, brew it at home. Yeah. French press. Boom. Cool. Oh,
1: cool. Nice. But yeah. So, yeah, I'm, um, I'm pretty partial to the Sumatra coffee. Um, and I don't get it from Starbucks. I get it from a company called Pete's. Yeah, coffee. Pete's. Yeah. Um, but I've been drinking the Sumatra Pete's um, for exclusively for almost like a year and a half, and it's like my favorite coffee now. So
0: I haven't had Sumatra in years, and when I had it before, I really didn't like it. So I yeah. want to try it again now. It's really
1: like it's really it's really like bold, over the top, yeah. like flavor profile.
0: For sure. Here we are
1: talking about this. It's
0: Gosh, crazy. we are a bunch of douches here. Um, but um, I was wondering if next time, do you have a movie picked?
1: I don't, no.
0: Um, can we do Spasmo? No.
1: No? I was going to say no, no matter what you said. Oh. Um, yes, Spasmo would be fantastic because... It's an awesome film. Yeah,
0: yeah, and we get a lot of time with Ivan Rossimoff and um, Susie Kendall. Yep. So, um, and a
1: Lindsay film. So, is yeah. it the is it Lindsay's last Jolly or Jalo or was that um, Eyeball?
0: Um, I think this is before Eyeball. I might be wrong, but I think this is before.
1: Let's see here. As a director, we have Spasmo. Yeah, Eyeball was the last one, 1975. Spasmo is the year before.
0: Yeah.
1: It is so funny to just look at Lindsay and what he did. So, like, Orgasmo and uh, So Sweet, So Perverse and the two places to kill films are all kind of the same. And then Seven Bloodstained Orchids was, like, his attempt at a legitimate... Serious Giallo, which some people don't really like, including you. Um, it's
0: not that I don't. It's not that I hate it. I don't like the you, lead. I think he didn't like that guy. He's Antonio so
1: Senior.
0: <laughs> oh, it was awful, I thought.
1: And then he did Knife of Ice, uh, which was good.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Carol Baker comes back again as the deaf mute, which was great because I hate hearing her voice. Um, and then Spasmo, which is like some kind of weird kind of acid trippy giallo that's kind of all over the place. And then he f- finished it up with eyeball, which is just absolutely silly and, and crazy and ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, this is a conversation for, for next time. But I mean, if you look at
0: the, the jolly output from Lindsay, it's all over it's the place. so much fun. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited. So good stuff. And so I'm
1: sorry that we had a crash. And for those of you listening, I did uh, start recording a better quality version of my audio soundtrack feed, but it got lost in the crash. The crash that I probably edited out from the the podcast, but there was a there was a crash. The as crash usual. of
0: twenty seventeen.
1: Yeah, the first one.
0: It was actually. inevitable.
1: Yeah, I'm amazed I made it a whole month.
0: alright everyone so until next time ciao 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 yay that was good